in this episode of Boss Files. We rent clothes so that you could start buying less stuff. We have built a closet in the cloud so that you have a subscription to getting dressed and can wear new things every single day. And we will also rent you clothing for special events. Rent the Runway CEO, Jen Hyman. She co-founded the company while she was at Harvard to help girls afford designer gowns without breaking the bank. Why she says she dreamed of democratizing the fashion industry. With the company's explosive success, though, she feels a responsibility to level the playing field for all of her employees. This year, she announced equal benefits for all, something many American companies lack. She made the announcement in front of hundreds of warehouse workers, and she calls those hours some of the most profound of her life. What I realized was that we were perpetuating income inequality in this country. We're living in a really interesting time where it is incumbent that business leaders have to start acting like moral leaders. Wall Street has to start having a morality index because 70% of millennials will not work for an employer unless that employer represents their values. And she says there's no excuse for companies not to be diverse today. Plus, her dream lunch date? Amazon's Jeff Bezos. And be aggressive, her advice to female entrepreneurs. Here's my conversation with Rent the Runway's Jen Hyman. Jen Hyman, thanks for being here. I'm psyched to be here with you. Co-founder, CEO, Rent the Runway. If there is a person that doesn't know what Rent the Runway is, hard to believe at this point, but if there is, give them the 30-second elevator pitch. We rent clothes so that you could start buying less stuff. We have built a closet in the cloud so that you have a subscription to getting dressed and can wear new things every single day. And we will also rent you clothing for special events. Your plan to become a wedding singer or Broadway star didn't exactly work out. But would you take this over that any day? No, I still think that that would be (laughs) more fun and more in line with my actual personality. But we try to incorporate music and performance into life at Rent the Runway. You sang at your own wedding. Yes. Which we'll get into in a little bit. But I do want to start with the news on a very serious, very important topic um, and something that is life changing for people. You recently wrote an opinion piece in The New York Times and, and the headline is Treating Workers Fairly. And you announced that you had decided to give all employees of Rent the Runway equal benefits, both salaried and hourly workers. Now, I think a lot of folks would say, well, yeah, duh. Isn't that what happens? Well, no, that's not what happens at a lot of companies. There are tiers of people, and the people that actually make the most money get the best benefits. And this is bereavement. This is paid parental leave, family leave, sick leave. Why did you choose to do this? Simply, it was the right thing to do. I, in founding Rent the Runway, had set up a system where I just copied what best-in-class companies were doing. And it took a moment to realize that just because something is an established business practice, Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean it's right. And what I realized was that we were perpetuating income inequality in this country. And what I mean is that we had really generous policies of parental leave and bereavement and paid family sick leave for 
are corporate employees mm -hmm. who generally come from more educated and relatively more privileged backgrounds. Right. Whereas our more diverse workforce who is less educated, who's working in our warehouse or on our customer service team. Doing the dry cleaning of the clothes, shipping them in and out. Actually doing the business. Our company wouldn't exist and wouldn't be around without our warehouse employees and our call center employees, et cetera. And these employees, not just at Rent the Runway, but at tens of thousands of other companies throughout the country, are treated unequally. They're given bare bones policies right. and are not really given the flexibility to have lives in addition to having jobs. While making the lowest wages at the company. Of course. You write in this opinion piece, I had inadvertently created classes of employees and by doing so had done my part to contribute to America's inequality problem. I have interviewed a lot of CEOs and a lot of founders and very few would ever write that or their PR folks wouldn't let that get past them and get published in the New York Times. Why do you say that so bluntly? We're living in a really interesting time where it is incumbent that business leaders have to start acting like moral leaders. Mm -hmm. Business leaders have responsibility over hundreds of millions of people's lives and their families. And if the government isn't going to provide the safety net that people need in order to live, then business leaders have to contribute, especially when it's your full employee base that's helping to create the profits that are putting you in the position that you're in. You're also a company that wants to go public. You have said many times, I want this to go public as a multi-billion dollar company. You have a board mm -hmm. that you are responsible to. You have a fiduciary responsibility. What's this going to cost? Up front, this will cost millions of dollars to implement, but when we did the research mm -hmm. internally, we're spending more than that on recruiting employees, on training employees, on dealing with attrition on some of our teams and our warehouse team and our customer service team. And there are some of these hidden costs to operating kind of an, a team of hourly employees. Mm -hmm. So for instance, when I announced this policy at our warehouse, one of the seamstresses stood up and asked whether she could use the new paid family sick leave policy to take care of her daughter who was having a C-section the following week. And of course I answered, yes, that's, that's exactly what we created the policy for. And her reply was, you know, she had intended to quit her job the following week so that she could be at home with her daughter because she wouldn't have had the flexibility beforehand to take off time for an illness that wasn't her own. When you look at the statistics, uh, one in four new mothers goes back to work 10 days after she has a child. Both you and I are mothers. Can you imagine? I can't imagine no. doing that. You no outlined... one would have wanted to see me 10 days after. <laughs> Right. I mean, you're not, you're not sleeping, you're not thinking straight, but this is a reality for so many Americans. And you, you say it's incumbent on businesses to do this, and there is, in your words, a moral duty to treat every worker equally. But Wall Street doesn't have a morality index. Wall Street looks at quarter-to-quarter well, quarter they numbers. They look to. at the. I have to interrupt you. Wall Street has to have to 
has to start having a morality index because 70% of millennials will not work for an employer unless that employer represents their values. So these companies are going to go out of business? So there's a whole new generation of talent, millennials and Generation Z, who are going to choose to spend their time at places that represent their values. I do think that talent acquisition and bringing the very best talent into your company is your competitive advantage. If you think about why Amazon is the, biz- is the best and most successful business in the world, it is fundamentally because of their talent. Who's going to do this, Jen? I mean, you talk about those companies. Who are those business leaders? What are those companies that you looked to when you started Rent the Runway and said, I want to model after them? Because I don't know if any of them are doing this. I didn't realize how big of a problem this was in terms of the unequal benefits between various classes of employees Mm -hmm. until I was in the thick of running Rent the Runway and understanding how the policies that I had created almost haphazardly at the beginning of a company. I mean, at the beginning of Rent the Runway, we just took advice on what do the startups that are bigger than us do? What do the Fortune 500 companies do? And we just flat out copied them. But when you're in the thick of it and you realize that the decisions you made at the beginning actually have an impact not only on your 1,200 employees' lives, but yeah. on their families, on their kids, on their parents. You start to consider the seriousness of those actions. Now, I'm not advocating for a communist society. We have a very clear way that we distinguish between the value that you give to a company. That's called your salary. That's why the average CEO in the United States of a Fortune 100 company makes 271 times the average uh, salary of one of their employees. So we're already distinguishing between value derived to the company with a salary. What we shouldn't distinguish between is how important your life is. My contribution to Rent the Runway as the CEO is higher than the contribution of someone on my warehouse team. But my pregnancy is not any more important than the pregnancy of any single person who works at my company. And your kid is my no kid, more important. My kid, if my parent gets sick, that's not more important than anyone else's parent getting sick. So I think that it's deriving a separation between importance from a business perspective in which we use compensation to address that versus importance of your life, which should be equal. Jen, was this your most important moment, those few hours you were in front of these teams in the warehouse? Many of them whom, you know, you have 1,200 employees. You, you don't know everyone personally that works in the warehouse. For many of them, this was their first time uh, in front of you. Were those your proudest hours and most important hours in this entire run so far? I would say that announcing this set of new policies to my company was were some of the most proud hours of my life, let alone my career. Um, standing up in front of our team of hundreds of warehouse employees, one of the, it was extremely emotional. We had people who were crying, who were cheering, who were in, who were gasping. And one of the key emotions that I saw amongst these crowd of team members was they were in shock. So I announced these policies in both English and then we had it translated into Spanish. And at the end of this kind of 45 minute 
speech, I opened it up to Q&A. Mm-hmm. And the first question that I got was from a gentleman sitting in the first row. Mm-hmm. And he basically said, oh, you know, this sounds really great that you're doing this, but when is it going to be implemented? Mm-hmm. Thinking that I was tricking him. And I told him, oh, it's already been implemented. You can start utilizing these policies today. And the entire room gasped because it was clear to me in that moment that nothing has ever been given to these people just because it's the right thing to do. There's always been a catch. So they were looking for the catch in what I was saying. And I was just very clear with our team that we're doing this because it's the right and moral thing to do. What will people get? What are the benefits? First, in terms of parental leave, we're we're equalizing every single benefit throughout the company, meaning very simply that there's no distinguishing between gender, between your job at the company. So on parental leave, we give three months of paid leave to everyone at the company. And then in months four and months five, we allow you to come back to work flexibly, meaning that we pay you full time, but you're likely working part-time in months four and months five after you have a baby. Moms and dads at all levels, at all jobs throughout the company. Now, part of this, you know, for bereavement, we give you a month off, um, paid family sick leave. We are giving you several weeks of paid uh, leave. What was important for me to convey to my team was by no means are Rent the Runways benefits policies the most generous in the country right now. They're not. There are companies that you can work out where you get a year off of parental leave. Right. But they're the right policies financially for where our business is today. And the promise that I made to my employees is that as Rent the Runway gets bigger, you as team members will get get more. more and more value. That if we build something huge and great together, we're all going to benefit from that. It's not just going to be me benefiting as the CEO. Mm -hmm. And that's a promise that I'm going to stand by. And I hope that you call me on that in the future. We'll make sure to. (laughs) No pushback from the board? No, my board was incredibly supportive of this, which... And they're financial investors. I still have a board of primarily... um, private equity and venture capitalists who you would think would be the most concerned about the financial Well, that's returns. why I asked. You say this will cost millions. I remember well Howard Schultz, you know, former Starbucks CEO, talking about when he decided to increase health care benefits for workers that were working part time and how much it would cost the company and big pushback that he got from some of, you know, some of the some of the board members and, and big investors saying, whoa, 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 whoa. I think my board members are really forward thinking that there is disruption right now that's happening in business in terms of the products and services that we're buying as consumers. But more importantly, there's disruption happening in culture. And the companies that are going to win are the ones that are setting up their cultures and their teams for the way that a modern group of people want to live. And this value set of equality 
is fundamentally critical, not only to my hourly employees, but interestingly, my corporate employees were the ones who reacted most mm. positively to these benefits actually being in place. Even though they already had the benefits. They had the benefits. I didn't fundamentally change anything for my corporate employees, but they were so excited to work at a company that was actually walking the walk mm. when it came to empowering people. Much more of my conversation with Rent the Runway's Jen Hyman after the break. Your parents, all of our parents have a big role in who we become. And you have said, Jen, of both your parents, not just your mother, they were both, in your words, massive feminists. Tell me about them. My parents made me believe that it was possible for me to achieve anything that I wanted in my life and that I should just go for it and really dream big for my life. They also simultaneously made me understand the importance of having a team. Mm -hmm. So I grew up with three younger siblings, one of whom is autistic. And for anyone who has someone who's severely mentally handicapped in their family, which is interestingly one in every 60 families now in the United States. So this is a huge problem. It's a 24-7 job for yeah, it is the my sister will hopefully live until she's 90 or 100 years old. So for, for that length of time. And my parents were both 100% ahead of their time in the sense that in the 1980s, when my sister Sherry was born, most kids who were autistic or mentally handicapped were kind of kept at home. So they right. weren't brought out to normal things, to movie theaters, to restaurants, on vacation, because there was an embarrassment mm. around having someone in your family who had this kind of handicap and ability to act in interesting and spontaneous ways when you were out in public. And I remember my parents telling us as young kids that they were really proud of our family and who we are and that we, Sherry was just deserved to be in every single place that the rest of the family was at and that even if anyone else was laughing at us or making fun of our family or we had many times people come up to us in restaurants and be like, why did you bring her here? Ugh. She's making a scene. You know, she should be at home or give us looks. Mm -hmm. And my parents would just respond back like, you know, Sherry's part of our family. And yep. who do you think you are talking to us this way? So there was that. And there was also the fact that it's actually it was exhausting for my parents very visibly to be the parents of an autistic child and then also have three other children at the same time. So there was this understanding that I had that we all had to be a team. Hmm. So from a young age, I remember myself taking on responsibilities, not because I was asked to, but because I knew that it was the right thing to do. To. Like waking up early to be with my younger siblings yep. or cooking meals for the family or, you know, supporting my parents so that they could take a break or relax. I mean, even holding my sister Sherry's hand when we crossed the street, get, taking on those kind of small and big responsibilities. So this recognition that life is better as part of a team and that you actually need a big team of people to accomplish any goal. And I think that interestingly, that set me up for being an entrepreneur where 
crazy things happen every day and you have to respond with positivity and you need a big team to support you through it. And everyone has to be flexible in terms of the roles that they take on. But interestingly, on that point, even when you attended Harvard Business School, you came up with the idea of Rent the Runway there with your co-founder. But you have said that even then you, you were not associating women with being entrepreneurs. Well, that's because our society at that point really had only painted a picture of entrepreneurship being something that men could do. So even though when I look historically at my life, I've always been an entrepreneur. Yeah. Even when I was working at big corporations, I was setting up new businesses and doing entrepreneurial things. I People just might know you. You start, might not know what you started at Starwood, which was this basically honeymoon fund registry, right? Yeah. So I set up the first honeymoon yeah. registry in the world because I believed in 2002 that we had entered the experience economy mm-hmm. and people were starting to value experiences like travel mm-hmm. over owning things, which is a big thesis for Rent the Runway, of course. But even when I was at Starwood, if someone had asked me, oh, what did you do there? What was your job like? Yeah. I would have described it as, oh, I'm just a creative person. I had a creative idea and I built it and I implemented it. And so I'm really happy that pop culture has caught up mm-hmm. to the fact that you can be an entrepreneur as a woman or as a man, and that entrepreneurship comes from every part of society in the world. And I see young women now when I go and talk in colleges and even in high schools around the country where their dream for their life is to be an entrepreneur. So I do think that there's this next generation that Mm -hmm. has set their sights high on building multi-billion dollar companies and changing the world. Be aggressive. That is something that you encourage and you have spoken about how that the higher up women get, the more they're often disliked, at least on the professional ladder. You say be aggressive. And I think there is a very good, uh, well, well now told and documented, but I want you to tell it again, story of how aggressive you were when it came to getting a second meeting with the famous designer, Diane von Furstenberg. This is... <laughs> I mean, this is beyond aggressive. This was just a little crazy. I mean, in order to become an entrepreneur, you have to have a little aspect of you that is slightly crazy. Um, So my co-founder and I, Jenny, had gone to a first meeting with Diane von Furstenberg. We had cold emailed her. Amazingly, she had gotten back to us. We had this first meeting. She didn't really like the idea, but by nature of asking her a lot of questions in that first meeting and kind of building some rapport with her. By the end of the first meeting, she invited us back to a second meeting. And so in this second meeting, we had prepared this full business plan of how we were going to work together with ideas. And we were psyched. Jenny and I had put on our DVF dresses. We were driving down from Boston. Uh Uh-huh. to meet with Diane. We were on the West Side Highway, about 40 blocks. Which leads right into, for people who don't know, right into her corporate headquarters. Right. So we were about 40 blocks away from her headquarters, which, depending on New York City traffic, could be like 10 minutes away. It could be 30 minutes away. And we get a call on our cell phone from her assistant Mm -hmm. at the time. And her assistant basically said, oh, you know, Diane has decided that she's no longer interested in the idea. Like, the meeting's off. That's blunt. Yeah, I appreciate bluntness, though. (laughs) At least I knew what I was dealing with. Sure. So I responded, oh, you know, but we're right around the corner. And we'll just come by to say hi. 
And the assistant said, no, uh, she doesn't want to see you. Meeting's <laughs> off. And again, I responded, oh, well, we're, we're actually downstairs right now. We're in your building. And again, this assistant was like, I don't think you understand. She does not want to see you. Mm-hmm. The meeting is off. And then I like faked like some like, reception, like I can't hear you, I can't hear you, bad connection, and I hung up. And you went. And up. we just sped. I mean, we sped down the West Side Highway. I don't know how fast we got there. I pulled up in front of the building. I didn't even park the car in like a proper <laughs> spot or a lot. We knew we were going to get towed. We walked in and we basically just sat there. And she, you know what? She did agree to see us. And Good it was her. in that meeting that she really. Um, showed us that she was supportive of this idea uh-huh. to rent clothes. At the end of the meeting, she gave myself and my co-founder like these good luck charms mm. that we both keep in our wallets to this day. And it was just one of those experiences where had we not shown up and had we let Show someone's up. assistant, you know, who basically... We didn't know what the intention was of the assistant. It was actually clear in, to us in that meeting that DVF like, hadn't even told her assistant to cancel the meeting. Huh. It was more like things were getting rearranged on her schedule, and the assistant had kind of made this executive decision that like, wow. we weren't important enough. And now for people who might not browse Rent the Runway, you can order so many DVF items on Rent the Runway. Yeah, so- she's uh, one of our most important mm-hmm. brands that we have on the site. She's been incredibly supportive to us mm-hmm. since we founded the company nine years ago. She has said to me on this podcast, uh, one of the most important things her mother ever taught her uh, and said to her was, I've never met a woman who isn't strong. You know, her mother lived through the Holocaust, barely survived. And she is a strong woman. You are a strong woman. You were both aggressive. Do we need to embrace we as professional women being aggressive more? Are we still a little gun shy about publicly acknowledging that? I think fundamentally that whatever you want in your life, whether it's an incredible family, you want to meet the love of your life, you want to have an incredible career, you have to be aggressive. Otherwise, you're never going to attain whatever those goals are. That for some reason, we've painted um, the word aggressive into being something that's negative. Mm. But like life doesn't just happen to you. Mm. It happens through you taking concerted actions to move from point A to point B. So the fact that we reward men for being ambitious or having a vision or having goals or being aggressive towards their life, but we attack women for the same thing. He's a real go-getter, you know? Right. You say that a lot. I don't know if, I don't know if I hear that as much about There are a lot of words that are not used to describe women. Yeah. How many women can you name that have been publicly labeled as a genius? have been publicly labeled as a savant, as an iconoclast, as someone who's changing the world even. Mm. I mean, we use those terms so loosely Mm. with men. Of course, you know, there's a mythology that exists around people like Steve Jobs or Jeff Bezos, but I could name, you know, dozens of men in Silicon Valley where I've heard them be referred to as geniuses, whether or not their businesses have ever gone anywhere, whether or not they've ever created anything. And that term is really powerful. So let's take Elon Musk as an example. Clearly, he's had a lot of success prior to 
the two companies that he's working on right now. And he is probably thought of in the same way that Steve Jobs was regarded. So what does that do to his companies? Regardless of of how those companies are doing financially, that term enables him to recruit incredible talent to the company. It enables people to give him chances over and over again, whether or not he deserves it from a financial standpoint. Mm -hmm. It's those chances. It's that ability to fail. It's that ability to pivot. That's what's required in building a company. The issue with female entrepreneurship is that you're given less strikes at bat. So women are given one, maybe two strikes before they're either pushed out of the position of CEO or whether they're given up on entirely. Is that how you feel running Rent the Runway today that you this is your one big at bat? And if you don't take this company successfully through IPO, that's it? I think that I have an incredibly unique situation And that is because of the board that I've built and the investors that I have, where I have been given more strikes at bat because my board believes in my vision Mm -hmm. that we're fundamentally building the closet in the cloud and they believe in me. But with so many of my female peers, Mm -hmm. I have not seen the same support that their board has of Mm -hmm. them. And... I think that it's really important to me now to build Rent the Runway into being a mega success because I want that pattern recognition to exist so that when other women who don't have backgrounds in STEM Mm -hmm. go to Silicon Valley and try to raise a few hundred million dollars, they can point to Rent the Runway and they can say, oh, Jen Hyman did this and she built a multi-billion dollar company and now we should invest in these other women as well. It's an important point as Rent the Runway today, about 1,200 employees, eight and a half million customers. Is that the current number roughly that you guys have had from the from the jump? Yeah, a little bit more, but... Okay. So what is sure. it? What is it? No, it's close to 9 million nine. people who you are know. now part of our Own that. Own that, community. Jen. Many people think of Rent the Runway as a fashion company. It's not, right? It's a technology company. It is, but let's actually talk about that for a second. There are three things that humans need to do every single day. We need to eat, We need to get somewhere and we need to put clothes on our body. Clothing, that is why it's one of the three biggest consumer facing industries on earth. So the business of clothing is a $2.4 trillion annual industry. Now, somehow, when we say, oh, it's a fashion business, that's immediately looked down upon. It it is, and I don't know why. And it's looked down upon because the word fashion is associated with being feminine. It's associated with New York, with Vogue magazine, with superficiality. But the idea is we don't live in a nudist society right now. People spend money on clothing, whether they like it or not. And it's actually a significant portion of your take-home income that you're spending on clothing. So what we're trying to do is disrupt that because we all have these storage facilities in the middle of our bedrooms. We call them closets where 80 percent of the stuff in that closet is used in its lifetime three times or less. So I think that the very fact, yes, we are a technology company um, because we are fundamentally building the closet in the cloud, but we're also a fashion company. Mm -hmm. And I'm very proud to say that and proud to change this myth that because we 
are a quote unquote fashion company, that that means mm. we're small. We're going after one of the biggest markets on earth. You say bluntly, do not buy cheap clothing. And you've even gone as far as to say, you know, we're going to put companies like H&M and Zara out of business. These are huge, enormous, enormous uh, clothing companies. Really? No one's going to stop me. It's going to take a while <laughs> to put H&M or Zara out of business. But the amount of energy that is consumed actually in the creation of just one article of clothing is enormous. Fashion is the second most pollutive industry on earth after oil and gas, which is kind of a little known fact. And every year I said the industry is $2.4 trillion. Well, how much do you think goes into a landfill every year? Well, and NPR did this fascinating uh, series where they traced a T-shirt and the origins of where the cotton came from and where it was made and all the shipping that it takes to go back and forth and all of the energy yeah. that goes into these so products. 500 billion dollars worth of clothes are thrown into landfills on an annual basis. So we throw away over 20% of the industry every single year into the ground. That's because 80% of all clothes sold are worn three times or less in their lifetime. So my company pioneered this really simple vision where the customer value prop is buy less stuff. Buy some stuff, right? Buy your staples. That's buy, what you're betting on. Yes. And then rent the... Invest in high quality pieces. If you want to buy something, actually make an investment decision. Will you be wearing these jeans 10 years from now? Is this cashmere sweater of great quality? Do you really love it? If so, invest in a piece that you can wear over and over again. And then for everything else, you should have this subscription to fashion and you, through that subscription, can have newness and variety and trends and color and whatever you want to create the hundreds of thousands of options for yourself. Today, Rent the Runway started as a rent one fancy dress for a formal occasion yes. and send it back. Okay, it has evolved. There's unlimited now subscriptions, basically, where people pay you monthly. Yes. The $159 or the $89, depending on the level, is a third of your revenue now? Um, this year, it'll be upwards of 50% of our revenue. So this is where the company's going? Yes. This subscription business is only two years old. And it is already the majority of our revenue, and it is growing at lightning speed. I have been shocked more than anything about the usage. So a lot of people... Okay, it didn't always work. It started with this rental subscription accessories business that actually didn't work, but now this is working. So I always knew that a subscription to fashion would work, hmm. but I didn't really understand what that meant. Okay. Right? Like, so I had this big vision, we're going to build this closet in the cloud, but just like any entrepreneur, you have to put something out there and you iterate it iterate on it. So we actually had our subscription in beta for a year and probably iterated it dozens of times before we got to how women wanted to incorporate a subscription into their life, which is that they wanted to use it for their everyday and their everyday is going to work. 
five out of seven days a week, you go into an office for you, you go into a newsroom, and you have to look like at least you tried to get out of bed that day. You have to look somewhat professional. And that's actually really expensive. And as a woman, you can't show up wearing the same outfit every single day of the week or people will think you're on drugs. So you end up spending, actually the average American... Although Steve Jobs didn't, he did quite well. Well, he's a man. There you go. You end up, look at the difference between Sheryl Sandberg and Mark Zuckerberg. I mean, Mark Zuckerberg, every interview he's ever had, he's in the same outfit. Sheryl Sandberg, I've never seen her repeat. Except for his congressional testimony, but yes. So women are spending 7.5% of their take-home income on clothing for work. And time, time. Time. Time is a whole other problem. Men are only spending 2.5% of their take-home income. Now, some people, sexists, would look at that stat and they would say, oh, well, women are just vain. They're more superficial. But before the year 2000, when businesses around the country were business formal, men and women both spent the same amount on dressing for work. It was 2.5%. It's as businesses have become business casual, Mm -hmm. which kind of means I could wear anything. Mm -hmm. It's actually required more variety in a woman's professional wardrobe and more expense. There's a real pink tax on clothing for women. So if you go into any store, whether that store is Banana Republic or J. Crew, and you look at the same pair of gray pants that men and women would buy, women's clothing is 30 to 40 percent more expensive per item. Amazon, threat or opportunity? Anyone who thinks that Amazon is not a threat is just being naive. So, of course, they're a threat. Amazon is not in the rental business today, but in a sense, they are because they've made a huge investment into building out a private label to also compete with H&M and Zara. So they've hired people to design collections of private label clothing. They're selling them super cheap on Amazon. They have now dozens of private label brands. Now, think of what H&M or Zara is, they're the two largest rental businesses in the world. Mm. Because anytime you go into a store and you buy a top for $20 that you know will disintegrate after you put it in a washing machine two or three times, you are signing up to rent that top. Mm. So Amazon is in the same business. Is there any world in which you would sit down with Jeff Bezos and agree to sell your company to Amazon? I'm trying to build a game-changing consumer behavior that is bigger than Amazon. Um, But if Jeff Bezos wanted to have lunch, of course I would have lunch (laughs) with Jeff Bezos. I mean, that guy is a genius. Let's talk about the most difficult professional moment in your career. It came two years ago, 2015. Three years ago. Three years ago. Thank you for the math. I was up with the baby a lot (laughs) last night. Thank you. And... You flipped about half of the uh, top C-level, you know, top management on your team, the, the closest yes. and most important people around yes. you. Okay. Articles were written. Uh, Vanity Fair, for example, accused you of running a mean girl culture. Um, uh, really disturbing headlines for you, not just professionally, but I know personally. Um, however, you say you wouldn't erase it because it gave you more courage going forward. Is that right? Yeah, I think that when difficult things happen in your life, the things that you're most scared of, 
like seeing a headline that you're running a mean girls culture where in reality the thing that's most important to me is kindness and is building a culture that is so warm and that's so um, kind of cutting edge. So you see your worst nightmare flashed that's on what it was screens. For you? Yes. Flashed on screens kind of across the country. And then you realize that you wake up the next day and you receive the biggest outpouring of support you've ever gotten mm-hmm. from your employees, from other founders of companies around the country, from your investors, from your friends. And you realize I've just encountered the scariest thing I ever thought I would have to deal with. And now the future is less scary Mm. because whenever inevitably something like this happens again, I will have more courage and strength that I know that I have the resilience to get through it. Was changing that management team and getting rid of half of the folks around you the right decision? Meaning what did the 2016 number show you? Well, 2016 was the best year we had ever had at Rent the Runway. Now 2018 is looking to be even better. Um, But it was by far from a business perspective, not only the smartest decision I've made, but the only decision that I could have made. Remember, our subscription business was in beta. I saw a future for Rent the Runway that was literally 100x bigger than the business I thought I was building before. Mm. And... I needed a different team to get me there, which was a very, which is a very normal thing as a CEO that in a sense, my only job is to create the vision of where we're going and to find the right people to help us get there. But there's also something very, very important as humans about how we do it and how we let those people go. Right. And you've spoken about that, not just saying you're, you're no longer of use to this company. I think that what was interesting is that we let people go in the most respectful way possible with many months of time with enabling all of those people to find their next opportunities with a huge amount of communication. I still think that, you know, there was this desire to take a normal action that any CEO would do. And because I was a female CEO taking that action to spin it in this sensationalistic way. You mean the press? The press, for sure. I think it was extremely hurtful because in reality, like letting go of of four people shouldn't be a national news story, especially at a business that at the time was quite small. Hmm. Like what really caused a story or to correlate from letting people go that there was a cultural issue Hmm. as opposed to the fact that there might be a business rationale for why certain people might be kind of scaled up over time. You think a male CEO at the same uh, size company would not have gotten these headlines. Never. A female boss very early on in your career took your side and told you to shut up. And it changed your life for the better. Yes, and not because of that woman. Let's be clear. I mean, 
I think that there are moments in all of our lives as women where the road could go in one of two directions. Yeah. And there's an element of luck as to like which direction your life course ends up going on. So I was in an early meeting at Starwood Hotels, which was my first job out of college. I chose to work there, interestingly, because they had this really dynamic founder, Barry Sternlich, who started the company. He was the CEO at the time. And I thought that entrepreneurial ideas and creativity were something that would be respected within the company. So I go into a meeting, I'm 22, and I basically am just acting like myself, which is someone who's outspoken and I have opinions and I'm creative. So I was raising my hand in the meeting and probably had one or two opinions on whatever that meeting was about. At the end of the meeting, this woman who was in her late 30s at the time, so I thought she was very old. Um, oh, please. <laughs> I know. Now, I look, my now I look back and I'm like, oh, I was so... I was so cruel. Um, So she took me aside and she said, you know, Jen, I want to give you some advice. You really need to shut up in meetings and remember that you're a woman and your job is to act sweet. And, you know, don't don't be opinionated. Don't cause just just sit on the side. Wow. And that's now interestingly, she thought she was giving me advice on how to get ahead. She, looking back on the same situation, would think that she was really supportive of me hmm. and that she was just trying to prevent a bad outcome from happening, which was women raising their hand and speaking up. Now, my reaction was I started hysterically crying in the middle of the office, Ugh. like someone had just told me to essentially stop acting like myself, yeah. which was a well, really traumatic well, they, they experience. Had, yes. And she told me to shut up, which was very... Yes. Jarring. Uh, jarring. And then by some element of luck, a really senior man who worked at the company saw me. He took me into his office and he was like, what happened? And I blurted out the whole story about how this woman had just told me that I should stop speaking in meetings, etc. And he responded back, Jen, keep on doing what you're doing. We're all going to be working for you one day. And do you think she knows what you do now? Um, I don't know. Maybe she does. But this one man who had no reason to take me aside, I didn't report to him Mm -hmm. to give me that level of confidence to just continue to be myself and to not have to overthink my own personality Mm -hmm. and to be bold and to have opinions that really, I wouldn't be here today talking to you without, without that, that one conversation. Wow. Because imagine if I had thought, and I respected this woman. Imagine if I thought, you know what, maybe I'm not going to listen to her advice fully, but even slightly. What if I had toned it down slightly? Like, I wouldn't have started that honeymoon registry at Starwood. Are- I wouldn't have asked for a few million dollars to do that. I wouldn't have been on Oprah. These, all of these things wouldn't have happened. And so I really credit this man for my career. And I think that... Have you ever told him that? Yes, I have told him that. I've thanked him publicly. His name is Jim Barra. He's incredible. Um, I think that I'm very conscious now of the signals that we give to talent at Rent the Runway, especially younger talent, and those inadvertent things 
that you might do, what you might say, or body language expressions, and recognizing the powerful echo effect that that might have mm -hmm. on the course of someone's career. And so I've been very conscious to make all of those choices as empowering as possible and to really encourage people, as you know, Sheryl Sandberg would say, to like lean into themselves, to their own careers, to whatever dreams they have for their own lives. What does the Me Too movement in America mean for you today? I'm psyched about the Me Too movement because it, more than anything, has enabled women to just speak up and for them to understand that people might listen to them now. Now, it's not 100% the case that people are going to listen, but we are at a moment where women, if you raise your collective voice together, we could elicit change. So you are doing that by recently speaking out about what you lived through. Well, I spoke out actually prior to the Me Too movement on the fact that I had been sexually harassed while building Rent the Runway, almost to showcase that this is commonplace. You know, I'd been sexually harassed when Rent the Runway was relatively successful, after I had already raised over $100 million, like when I was in a relative position of power. I think there's been some stereotypes that sexual harassment happens when people are powerless, when they're young, when they're in when they're naive, when they're in a phase of their career where they're not the CEO of an organization. But, but it's wrong. It happened to you. It happens to everyone. What happened to you? I was uh, harassed by an investor who was sending me sexually explicit text messages, also saying sexually explicit things to me in person. And then when I didn't respond to him, he tried to threaten my career by calling my board members and telling them that I essentially wasn't a good CEO, that I never responded to him or the investor community, and they should investigate that and likely determine whether I was the right person to lead Rent the Runway. And they kind of did. Well, At least one of them came one, to One you. of them came to, to me to give me this feedback on something that she had heard from this guy. And thank God this guy had been dumb enough to send me text messages because I was able to just, you know, yeah. show her my phone and ask her, how do you think I should respond to this? And that was enough to. <laughs> yeah, I think. Yeah. Now, I actually think my board would have believed me regardless. Sure. And it's on me that there were many months that this had happened where I didn't even share this with my board. So I didn't give them the opportunity to support me earlier in the journey. And given how supportive they've been on every aspect of my leadership journey, I do think that they they would have supported me even without the you know, proof via text messages. But I think the point being that I have hardly met a woman in business who has not been sexually harassed in some way. This is the majority mm -hmm. situation. It's not the minority. And that's really the focus of why I wanted to come forward, to really make a statement on the fact that this is happening. We have to address it. We have to address why this is happening. Mm -hmm. And we have to give women more comfort in coming forward. But it is not going to go away just because. Good for you for speaking out. It's not going to go away no matter how many women speak out. And a point that you have made that has certainly resonated with me is that change will only really happen, for example, among 
in, in, the, in the venture community and funding of entrepreneurs when more women are doing the funding, when more women become investors? I think that we have to aim for a world where the demographics of leadership look like the demographics of the country. And that is not only about gender, that's about race, that's about sexual orientation, that's about where we all grew up. Mm -hmm. You know, why is it that all many leaders come from middle class or wealthier backgrounds? Or Ivy League schools. Right. I think that that's as much lack of diversity and a problem just as gender is a huge problem. Do any leaders get a pass whose companies today are not diverse enough reflecting our society enough because why would they get a pass well look i don't i think they all talk about we're working on it we're changing it we're changing it our goal is 15 years from now you know i mean give me a break women are 60 percent of college grads and have been for over a decade so to say that there isn't talent out there is just false as we wrap up uh, I want to get a little bit into what you've lived through as a human, not as Jen Hyman, the co-founder. As a human, as yeah, a human, as a, whoa. As, as a, you That's know, we big. all have personal lives and personal yeah. challenges, and you've been willing to speak a little bit about, you know, some incredibly painful experiences that have also shaped you dramatically. You had a, a boyfriend at one time that you were deeply in love with, and perhaps thought you might spend the rest of your life with. Mm-hmm. And I should preface this with your very happily married mother, yes. mother of a daughter yes, now. Yes, And I have the best husband in the world. <laughs> and he said to you something shocking because you were his equal. Tell me that story. Well, I, we launched Rent the Runway and Jenny and I had been working on the business together for over a year and the first day we launched, we were on the front page of the New York Times. Nice launch. It was a great launch. It was a dream come true. And we had 100,000 people sign up in our first week. And I mean, Jenny and I were like floating on a cloud. And I remember how high the highs were that day with yeah. our early team and our interns. And I get home from work that day. I think I go over to my boyfriend's apartment and he basically breaks up with me and tells me that he realized he doesn't want to be with his equal. And it just was super traumatic that on a day that you want the people who you love to be the most supportive of you, this is something you've been working for for your entire life that that would be the day that he realized, oh, wait, like this thing that that she's building, like it's actually real and I don't want someone who has a real career. Now, we met at Harvard Business School, so that that makes no sense to me. should not be a surprise to him. It shouldn't have been a surprise that it would have turned into something at least. But it also, people reveal themselves for who they are. You just have to listen. And I think that when I was younger... I made a lot of excuses for people, not just romantically, but even in terms of people I hired at Rent the Runway. Like People showcase who they are through their actions. Mm. And he was being honest about what he wanted for his life. Mm-hmm. And 
thank God for that honesty because I was able to move forward and find a relationship that is truly equal and have a different kind of love and life. So I actually have a lot of respect that it happened as quickly as it did. You are now the mother of a 14-month-old daughter. Yes. When she, and I know you want other children. I want many other other kids. All right, glad I can say that out loud. When she and your other children say to you one day, Mom, what was it like to build this company? What will you say to them? That it was a dream come true, that I got to have fun every single day and build something completely new in the world that made women feel self-confident every day. I mean, I feel like I am the luckiest person on earth that I get to wake up in the morning and love every second of every day. And that's not to say that there haven't been challenges and we focused on some of them today, but even through those challenges, like that's what makes life an adventure and exciting and what gives the continuous learning where I constantly feel like I am growing and that growth that I have at work is actually fueling me being the best mom that I can be and the best friend that I can be. Mm -hmm. I also want Aurora and other future kids to see by example that they can be whatever they want to be in the world. Finish this sentence for me. I will have succeeded when... 50% of the leadership in this country is female. Quick rapid fire? This is my favorite game, by the way. Oh, great. You better be good at it. (laughs) I'm not not saying I'm good. Favorite designer? Isabel Morant. And she's not on Rent the Runway right now. She's great. So, Isabel Morant, if you're hearing this, (laughs) please join. Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook? Instagram. Desktop or mobile? Mobile. Tech device you can't live without? iPhone. West Coast or East Coast? East Coast. Favorite place to go? Hamptons. Ideal weekend plans? Beach time and cooking big meals for friends. And people should know you do sort of want to live on like a commune of your own one day. That's the next plan. Post-rent the runway, I'm building like some big urban commune. <laughs> there you go. So come join. Investors, listen up. Who's your hero? My parents. Jen Hyman, thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Boss Files. If you're a new fan of the show, please go to Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app and subscribe. While you're there, leave us a review and let us know how we're doing. As always, you can follow me at Poppy Harlow CNN. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Now streaming exclusively on Max, a new CNN flash talk about the album that has Nashville talking, Call Me Country, Beyonce and Nashville's Renaissance. Watch it at max.com slash callmecountry. Max subscription required.